Welcome to the European Vascular Podcast. My name is Melina Vega de Cena. And my name is Agla Cabrón. This month's editor's choice is Durability of Open Repair of Juxtarenal Abdominal Aortic Aneurysms, a multi-center retrospective study in five French academic centers by Dr. Chauffour and colleagues. What was the objective of the study? The authors wanted to assess the outcomes of open surgical repair of juxtarenal aneurysms with a focus on early and late mortality, acute kidney failure, and chronic renal decline. Those were the primary endpoints. Secondary endpoints included respiratory or cardiac postoperative complications, any secondary interventions related to the aneurysm repair, or any death due to aneurysm rupture. Why is this report relevant? Juxtarenal AAAs were traditionally treated with open repair. In the last few years, open techniques have been gradually replaced with endovascular repair. Multiple papers have been published addressing fenestrated endovascular or parallel graft chimney techniques for juxtarenal aneurysms, and the position of open repair in the present day seems to be questioned. This paper includes consecutive patients treated between February 2005 and December 2015 in five French academic centers where complex endovascular techniques are also available, so their data reflect up-to-date real-world results. How did they select the patients who were included in the study? This study only describes juxtarenal aneurysms, that is, aneurysms with an infrarenal neck shorter than one centimeter but excludes pararenal, suprarenal, or thoracobdominal aneurysms. They excluded patients deemed unfit for repair because of severe respiratory disease, recent myocardial infarction, cardiac failure with a left ventricular ejection fraction of less than 40%, or end-stage chronic renal disease on hemodialysis. These excluded patients were 58 and were treated with endovascular techniques. Why did the authors not compare the patients treated with open repair and those who underwent complexed EVAR? Because the groups are not comparable, there is a clear selection bias and any results would not be conclusive. One of their main endpoints is early and late renal failure. How did they measure it? They classified the baseline renal function according to their estimated glomerular filtration rate and following the DOCI staging. The acute kidney injury was classified using the rifle criteria defined as a two-fold increase in serum creatinine within one week of the aneurysm repair. Chronic renal decline was defined as a sustained drop in estimated glomerular function more than 20% to progressive stages. There was renal data available from 96% of the recruited patients at a mean follow-up of 4.1 years. Okay, so what were the baseline characteristics of the patients? There were 315 patients. 92.6% of them were men. The mean age was 68 years, with a range from 45 to 86. Almost 84% were active smokers, 16% were diabetics, 62% were ASA category 3 or 4. Only 15% had a history of coronary artery disease and 30% of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. 23% had a baseline estimated glomerular filtration rate below 60 mm per minute. 71% were on statins and 80% on antiplatelet drugs at baseline. The mean aneurysm diameter was 59.7 mm, with a range from 50 to 130 mm. Over 90% of them were atherosclerotic, with 5.7% inflammatory, and 1% were dilations of the remaining neck above a previous aortic graft. 10 of the 18 inflammatory aneurysms were symptomatic. All the rest were asymptomatic. How were they treated? 
They all received a polyester prosthesis, sewed infrarenally, half as a straight tube and half as a bifurcated graft. A retroperitoneal approach was used in 67% of the patients and midline laparotomy in the other third. The most common clamping site was suprarenal in 75% of the cases, followed by interrenal in 22% and supraceliac in 3%. The mean renal artery clamping time was 24 minutes, with a range from 18 to 55, and the mean total operative time was 194 minutes. What were the results? There were three early deaths for a 30-day mortality of 0.9%. The authors describe it as acceptable, but I think it is really very good and definitely comparable to that of other papers reporting the results of endovascular techniques in this same setting. The deaths were secondary to colonic ischemia in two cases, which highlights the importance of avoiding this complication, and one myocardial infarction. 14.6% of the patients suffered postoperative complications, mainly pneumonias. 16.8% suffered acute kidney injury, including 9 patients who needed temporary dialysis one of whom did not recover and remained on permanent hemodialysis. Independent risk factors for acute kidney injury were baseline filtration rate under 60 mm per minute, age, diabetes and hypertension, all of which make sense. Interestingly, surgical issues like clamping site, clamping time, renal perfusion during clamping or renal vein division had no impact on the postoperative renal function. Those were the early results. What about the late results? The mean follow-up was 4.3 years, with 11% of the patients lost. During this time, 17% of the patients in the cohort died due to cardiovascular events or cancer, none from aneurysm-related causes. The 3- and 5-year survival rates were 93% and 71% respectively. One patient suffered graft infection, which was replaced by a homograft and he survived. Five other patients underwent renal or iliac stenting for a freedom from graft or renal complication rates of 98% and 95% at 3 and 5 years. Chronic renal decline was found in 8% of the cohort, with only one out of the 315 patients in chronic hemodialysis. Independent risk factors for late renal function were postoperative acute kidney injury, baseline chronic kidney disease, and diabetes, again, all of which make complete sense. So in short, we can read about a large multi-center cohort of patients with open repair of their yuxtarenal aneurysms with a 30-day mortality below 1%, acute kidney injury just under 17%, with recovery of all but one patient and midterm renal function decline in only 8%. What would be the take-home message from the study? These are interesting times. The pendulum swung from only open repair in the 1980s to the enthusiastic belief that EVA would make open surgery obsolete about a decade ago, to the present time, when there seems to be a more balanced approach. This report highlights how open repair of somewhat complex aneurysms can offer very good results, comparable to complex EVA, if not better in this case, and definitely remains an option to discuss as first-line choice with fit patients. And this is not data from a single center of excellence, but combined data from five centers throughout France, experienced no doubt, but they reflect real world. Patients must have access to the best treatment tailored to their pathology and characteristics, and that will sometimes be open, sometimes endovascular, and sometimes even a conservative approach. Trainees must have exposure to all possibilities and ensure the acquisition of skills and experience in both techniques, or maybe subspecializing after the global training, for the takeover when the now most experienced senior surgeons step down. How to do that, through centralization, both for clinical assistance or training or otherwise, is a political issue to be addressed in each country. 
Definitely both EVA and open surgery, straightforward and complex, are here to stay, for the benefit of the patients. That, I think, is the most important message of this paper. Thank you, Melina. That was very interesting. Thank you, Agla. The complete reference for this paper is European Journal of Vascular and Endovascular Surgery, Year 2020, Volume 59, Pages 40 to 49. I look forward to our next podcast. <laughs>